have Brother Kendrick to be able to fill in when Brother Jalen's out. Man, that, if he's the backup, I, I hope it continues, the backup part continues to go as well, man. What a blessing. Let's give the choir and Brother Kendrick another big hand clap of praise. Thank you, sir. Take your Bibles tonight, or this morning. Turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. You know what I'm going to tell you? You'd think after two practice times that this would be... It's not any easier. <laughs> Here we go again. Mark chapter 4. I want to take a look at this uh, passage this morning. Just look at a few things about this storm. Let me do this before we read that. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Jeff Robertson, the missions and outreach pastor. If you were here in October during the missions emphasis month, then you probably know who I am and got sick of seeing me. But um, if you're a visitor, I want to encourage you, please come back. Um, I, I'm a fill-in. We started to call today uh, Second String Sunday. Um, preacher's sick. He's out, and I'm filling in. The regular praise and worship guy, Brother Jalen, he's sick and out. Brother Kendrick's filling in, and... So uh, we're just doing the best we can this morning, but uh, I, I thank you that you're here. Man, what a great crowd. You guys know this is a tent, right? Yeah. I mean, and there's still this many people here that are still faithful, and, and, and what, a, what a blessing that is, man. This is a, it's a great thing to be a part of. Um, but uh, I, like I said, I'm Jeff Robertson, the missions and outreach pastor. Preacher's here. He's just sick and uh, asked me to fill in for him today. And if you're a visitor, I encourage you, please come back uh, on another Sunday. Uh, you don't want to miss the opportunity to hear our pastor preach. It is a blessing and an encouragement and, uh, and, and hear our uh, regular praise and worship. You want to see the whole package like it normally is. Uh, we're, we're adequate fill-ins, I think, but we're, we're not the, the first string. There's a reason why we're the second string. <laughs> so Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 says, In the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with them other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? There's several things we could look at in this passage and we could focus on. Uh, the lack of faith from the guys in the storm. Things. I want to focus on the storm itself. I want to make some observations about a storm this morning. Before we do that, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us this morning. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to be our God, to be our teacher, to be our comforter. And, Lord, we want everything that we do to bring honor and glory to you, Lord. Bless these people. Help everything that's done today to be an encouragement to them. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever thought about, you can be seated. Have you ever thought about the, the walk that Eve makes out of the Garden of Eden? You imagine as she is exiting utopia, the greatest possible scenario of a human being living could possibly imagine. Eve is walking out of that because of her own mistake. 
I got to think that there were times in a thatched hut, in a makeshift home or a, a cave somewhere that she laid her head down on a straw pillow and she could still hear the sound of Lucifer's voice as he said, Yea, hath God said. Now, did she bring that on herself? Oh, no doubt. But let me tell you something. I've brought a lot of things on myself too. That didn't make it any easier. Amen. It was without a question a storm and a difficult time. Well, what about Abraham? I think about the story of Abraham. Now, you know Abraham's got to be fired up. Here he is, he's 75 years old, his wife's in her mid-60s, and God comes to him and says, you're going to have a child, and he makes this covenant with Abraham, and he's thinking, man, this is great. It's got to be coming next week. We can't put this thing off too long. He's hoping that any, at any moment, she's going to wake up in the morning and go, you know, I feel, I feel kind of funny. I'm not feeling well. I'm really kind of wanting some mint chocolate chip ice cream and some pickles. I want to forget one night at 1 o'clock in the morning, so I wake up and Stacy's crying, just weeping like the world's coming to an end. I said, what's wrong with you? She said, I want a crushed ice Coke. Well, I was going to get a crushed ice Coke at 1 o'clock in the morning. Abraham kept hoping this was going to happen. Days turned into weeks. Weeks turned into months. Months turned into years. And years turned into decades. And it just was not working out the way that Abraham thought it was going to work out. How many of you ever had something in your life that just didn't work out like you thought it was going to? just didn't go the way you'd planned. Those are storms. Those are difficult times. Joseph, man, he thought... Joseph did everything right. It still kept going bad for him. First thing he does, he gets sold into bondage by his brothers. Then he gets trapped up in a, a, a setup from some woman that has him thrown into a, an Egyptian dungeon. Storms. Naomi. Read the book of Ruth. Naomi, the actual, one of the main characters in that story, the mother-in-law, she is so angry and so disappointed with her life. Her husband has died. Her two children have died. She moves back to her homeland in shame, and she's so angry. She changes her name to Bitter. She said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Just call me Bitter. Just call me Mara. And in Hebrew, that word means bitter. What a terrible thing. Storms. You know what? I think most of the men in here, especially the ones that are above a certain age, you've watched a Chuck Norris movie and said, boy, I wish I could do that. <laughs> I think if I go to the gym enough and practice, I can do that round kick thing he does there and figure that out. But you know what? Samson never watched a Chuck Norris movie and wished he was Chuck Norris because he was Samson. He was the baddest dude that's ever lived. He went 1,500 guys at one time. That's a bad guy. Imagine the disappointment that he must have felt when he failed. He cut his hair. They bound him up. Plucked his eyes out. And he has to be led to a grinder to grind like an animal every day while these Philistines walk by and mock him and make fun of him and spit on him. What a tremendous fall he had from being such a great... Storms. It doesn't matter that these storms, some of these storms were self-induced. They they're, they're still storms. Some of these storms were self-induced. Joseph never did anything to deserve what had happened to him. David's life was riddled with storms. Some of them he brought upon himself. He never brought upon him that Saul would torture him for years like he did. He still had to go through those things. What about the three Hebrew children? They're thrown into a fiery furnace because they won't worship an image of the king. 
Daniel's thrown into the lion's den because he's praying three times a day. Did you know that every single apostle died a violent martyr's death? Andrew was filleted. James was thrown off of a balcony and beat to death with clubs. Paul had his head cut off. Peter was crucified upside down. All of the rest of them, except for John, were either stoned or crucified. I'd call that a storm. Difficult times, hard times. 1651, Obadiah Holmes, great Baptist preacher in the New England area, is having a church service at a William Witter's house. Uh, a, a, a man who's, who's bound to his home, they go there and have a church service with him. They find out about him, go and arrest him, put him in jail. He refuses to let anybody pay his fines because he won't pay a fine for doing what he felt was right. After the six-month imprisonment, they carry him out, tie him to a post in the town square and beat him with a whip for doing the right thing. Storms. I want to make some observations about this storm in this passage in Mark chapter 4. The first observation I want to make, just as we've seen all through the Scripture, we've seen instances, and that is that storms are unavoidable. It doesn't matter what you do doesn't matter how good of a sailor you are. When you get in that boat on the Sea of Galilee, the way it's geographically set up with the mountains and the funnel that is made up there, storms are coming. You can't avoid them. You can't retreat from them. You can't go left or right because they come on you so quick on the Sea of Galilee. There's nothing you can do but ride it out. Can I tell you something tonight or this morning? There's a reason why the psalmist David in Psalm 27 said, Hear me, O Lord, when I cry. Not if I cry. Not if there happens to be a circumstance that I'm in a bad shape, Lord, and I need... He said, when I cry. Because I can promise you this, storms are unavoidable. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, the suffering of this present world. You see, this world that we currently live in is cursed by Satan. We live in a sin-cursed world that is destroyed through the, the, the sin and the wreckage of human beings. There's no getting away from that. Storms are unavoidable. Not only when you look at these unavoidable storms, a few things you see. If you come on Wednesday night, you've heard preacher in the last few weeks preaching from the book of James. Now, James is writing an epistle, a letter to a group of people who were probably the most persecuted Christians in history. The first century church, James is writing this letter back to them. And he says in chapter 1, verse 2, he says, listen, you need to consider yourself fortunate when you go through persecution. Now, keep in mind, their persecution wasn't that their transmission fell out of their car. They were getting fed the lines in the Colosseum and stoned by the Jews. Either the Romans were tearing them apart by, with gladiators and lines in the Colosseum or the Jews were hanging them from a cross and stoning them. They had no hope. Everywhere they turned, it was constant persecution. What did James tell them? James said, consider yourself fortunate that you get to suffer and go through these things because it's this suffering that makes you who you are. It's this suffering that completes you and brings you to a point that you can bring honor and praise to a holy God. Storms, they're unavoidable. 
Some of those storms are trials from the Lord. Some of them are temptations from Satan. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Sometimes we don't do well with that, cha- uh, with that temptation. We fail. We sin. Following that is the chastisement for wrongdoing. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. I've been on that end. It's not very fun. It wasn't very fun for Eve as she walked out of that Garden of Eden. What a disappointing thing. But you know what? It's a storm. It's an unavoidable thing. You know, there's also persecution for doing the right thing. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20 says, When you do well and suffer for it, this is acceptable to the Lord. When you do wrong and you got what you got coming to you, you get what you got coming to you and you have a good attitude about it, what have you really done? I mean, you did wrong. But when you do right and you're persecuted and you have a good attitude about that, Peter said, you've done something then. That's acceptable to the Lord. These are storms. These are the types of things that we will face. You know what? When we sit here this morning, we have a clean slate for 2015. The canvas of 2015 is completely blank. But let me assure you, there's somebody in here this morning who will lose a loved one in 2015. Maybe somebody that you expected. Maybe perhaps somebody that you weren't expecting. You'll have tragedy in your life. <clears throat> there'll be somebody in here. As bad as I hate to say this, there'll be somebody in here that you just can't work it out and you divorce. That doesn't mean it's over for you. God doesn't hate you. It's, you're not done because you couldn't get along with your spouse. Now, I believe you ought to try to work it out with all means possible. But sometimes it just doesn't work out. What a heartache that is. Storms, they're unavoidable. There are people in here that will lose your jobs after working at the same career for 10, 15 years, and you think, this is it. I'm going to work here, and I'm going to get vested in this company, and I'm going to retire, and we're going to have a good life, and everything's going to work out well. And all of a sudden, the stool gets kicked out from under you. As a result, your finances go in the tank. The house that you've clung to for 10 years, you lose in bankruptcy. These things happen to us on a regular basis. There are people sitting in a crowd this big that will face those types of tribulations and trials and storms. Do you know why? Because storms are unavoidable. You can't get away from them. I think about these guys. The first observation I make about this storm is that storms are unavoidable. The second observation I make about this storm, picture in your mind this boat and these guys. These guys are commercial fishermen, okay? They're used to storms. They're used to bad situations. They're used to things being tough. Picture one of them peering up over the side of that boat. Clouds, thunder, lightning, rain. You know what he sees when he looks up over the edge of the bow? Verse 36 says, There were also with them other little ships. Can I tell you something this morning? You're not the only ship in the storm. You're not in this by yourself. You're not the first one that's ever gone through a hard time. You're not the first one that's ever faced difficulty. You're not the only one who's ever been through a storm. There are other little ships. When I look at ships that are in a storm, I think about some of the things that they need. You know what some ships need in a storm? They need a guide. They need to be able to look at a boat that knows the way through the storm 
And they need to be able to be encouraged by having someone they can follow through with. I tell people in life recovery on Friday nights a lot, you know what, you're in recovery and you're doing well and you're going forward with your life and there are people out there who need to be able to look to you and be encouraged because you're making it. Let me tell you something. There are people who watch you because you come to Temple Baptist Church and they're encouraged because your life has changed. Their life may not be changed. They're in the midst of this storm, but they need a God. They need somebody that they can watch that will lead them through this difficult time. Some ships need a line. Let me tell you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, gives us a great explanation why we go through storms. Paul says that when you go through tribulation, God comforts you so that you may comfort others. You see, you may sit in front of a doctor this year, and he may tell you about a sickness and an illness that you have. If you can get through that storm, you may be able to help somebody else that's going through that same thing. You may have loved a lo- lost a loved one last year that you didn't think you were going to be able to get through that difficult time. But guess what? Somebody in your church family, somebody that you care about, some friend of yours will lose someone and they'll need a line. They'll need somebody to help them through their difficult time. And you've already been through that difficult time. And God will be able to use you to be an encouragement and a help to that other little ship. People need help. You're not the only one that's ever been through a storm. You're not the only ship that's in this storm. There are other little ships. Not only do some ships need a guide and some need a line, some need an engine. They need to be pushed on through the storm. You know what? Why is it? When we get in a situation and we get down and we get discouraged, the very last thing that we want to do is what we need to do. Why is it that we can put a man on the moon, but we can't make medicine taste good? You ever wondered that? Why can't medicine taste like chocolate cake? But you know what? Medicine tastes bad. Shots hurt. You understand that? But they're helpful. Last thing I want to do when I'm down. You you know what I want to do when I'm down and I'm depressed and I'm discouraged? I want to pull the curtains. I want to go get in the bed and cover up. Turn the air conditioner way down. Get under the covers. Everybody leave me alone. You know what I really need? I need to come right here and sit in one of these seats, and I need to hear Pastor Carter reprove, rebuke, and exhort me. I can't do it. I'm not the pastor. But sometimes we need to come here and hear him say, hey, you need to take your thumb out of your mouth. You need to quit being a crybaby because you're not the only one that's ever been through a storm. Other people are going through much worse storms than you're going through. There are times that we need reproof and rebuke. That's two negatives and one positive. Paul told Timothy, 
to be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. And sometimes when we're in a storm and we want to quit and we want to just shut down in the middle of that storm, just let the ship sink, what we need is something to push us on through the storm. And the only place you won't get that from Dr. Phil, you won't get that from the self-help section at the local bookstore, the only place that you will get the kind of encouragement that you need in a storm is right here in the house of God. Lady goes to her preacher. She goes to her preacher one Sunday after church, and as he's standing there shaking hands while people are filing through, she says, Preacher, I need to make an appointment with you. I need to see you and counsel with you after church. And I, I think I'm having a breakdown. And he said, Okay. He said, I tell you what, here's what I want you to do before we meet. He said, Tomorrow I want you to bake a cake and take it over to the nursing home. And I want you to find somebody in that nursing home that doesn't get any visits. And I want you to sit down and eat a piece of cake with them, spend some time with them. He said, Tuesday, I want you to bake some cookies. And I want you to take those cookies over to the orphanage. And I want you to spend some time with those little children there at the orphanage. He said, Wednesday, I want you to clean your closet out, clothes and different things that you don't wear. Take those over to the battered women's shelter. Spend some time with those ladies, see if you can be a blessing to them, a help to them. He said, Thursday... I'd like you to go to Sister So-and-So's house. She's a shut-in. She doesn't ever get to leave the house, and she needs some help around the house. Go over there and see if you can help her clean her house and just be a, uh, a friend to her, spend a little time with her. And he said, and then Friday, I want you to come up here to the church. got some clerical things I need done up here. You can be a help, maybe help clean the church a little bit. She said, Preacher, I don't understand. I'm having, I told you, I feel like I'm having a nervous break. He said, I understand. It's just what I want you to do. She said, okay. He said, and then we'll talk next Sunday after church. Well, that following Sunday, she comes through the line shaking the preacher's hand. He said, now, sister, are we meeting tonight after church? She said, no, I don't have time. I've got to get home and bake a cake. I've got stuff to do. I don't have time to have a nervous breakdown. You see what happens is we get in these difficult situations and we go through these storms and we begin to focus on our own circumstances. And if we would find someone else to help, if we'd find somebody else to be a blessing to, we wouldn't have time to worry about our own storms. We'd be too busy helping them. I tell you today, there are other little ships. You're not the only one that's in the storm. This next point's a little difficult. This next observation. I like happy stories, and I like even to be encouraged a little bit. I know, man, there are other little ships, and I won't get fired up and quit being a crybaby and help them other little ships out. I can take that. This next observation is a little tough. There's some ships that won't make it through the storm. You understand that? Bible tells us, Second <clears throat> Peter chapter three verses nine and ten. It says, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." Do you know that God wants each and every one of you to be saved? You will never, unless God tells me Himself, you'll never convince me that God selects these five to go to heaven and this ten to go to hell and this five to go to heaven and this twenty to go to hell. I'll never believe that. God wants every single person to be saved. But you have to read the next verse. We've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to read the next verse. The next verse says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. 
in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Can I tell you something this morning? Not every ship's going to make it to the shore. Now, some people are uncomfortable with that politically incorrect talk. We can't talk about hell. That'll make people uncomfortable. Jesus did. Jesus tells a story about a, a rich man and a guy named Lazarus. And On earth, the rich man had everything. Lived a rock star lifestyle. Big mansion, fancy chariots, gates, servants. Outside his gate was a guy named Lazarus. And Lazarus was sick and had sores, probably leprosy. Very afflicted individual. Just begging for crumbs from the table of the rich man. Well, the two of them died. And the tables turned. The roles reversed. The poor beggar dies and he goes to heaven. And the rich man dies and he goes to hell. The Bible says in hell, he lifted up his eyes and he could see that poor beggar there with Jesus. In Abraham's bosom. He said, could you please... Could you send that man, that diseased up sick man, to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am tormented in this flame? Now listen to me this morning. If you've never put your trust in Christ, we could go on for the, re for the rest of this 17 minutes and 38 seconds I have talking about all of the bad things about hell. And I could try to stir you up and scare you about the weeping and the gnashing of teeth and the falling and the darkness and the fire and all the bad things about hell. But I'm going to tell you right now, for me, by far, hands down, no questions asked, the worst part about hell is the next thing that Jesus says to that rich man. Son, remember thou. You see, if you leave here this morning and you walk out those doors... You don't put your trust in Christ and you die without Him. You'll remember this day. You'll remember the day that the fill-in guy preached for Preacher Carter and he told you that if you didn't put your trust in Him, you'd die and go to hell. That's the worst part about hell to me is to have to remember all of the opportunities that I had to be saved, to get this thing right, to make sure that I was going to heaven and I kept resisting. Listen, I understand that it's hard. You're going to tell me, Tyler, Tyler, Barry, who stands up here and sings every week, finally had to come to a point where he said, you know what, I've got to get this thing right. It took a lot of courage for him to come forward and get saved, make a public profession, and get baptized this morning. That took a lot of courage. There are some of you who need to muster up the courage to walk that aisle this morning and decide that I'm not going to be one of those ships that doesn't make it to the shore. I like what preacher said this morning. I'm not going to hell for anybody, including myself, including my own pride. I'm not going to hell for that either. There's only one thing that will save a person this morning, and that is for you to come to the conclusion that you are lost in your sin and you need Jesus. And without putting your trust in the work that he did on Calvary, you won't make it to the shore. That's the only way you can be saved, is put your trust in him and what he did on Calvary. Remember thou. But you know what? There's a fourth observation that I make in this passage, and this is the best one. 
The ship that had Jesus in it, it makes it to the shore every single time. Every time. It doesn't matter how bad the storm gets. It doesn't matter how despaired that the distance looks to you. It doesn't matter how much it's stacked against you. You don't think you're going to make it through this storm. If Jesus is in the boat with you, you make it to the shore every single time. There are people that criticize these disciples and the way that they approach Jesus. And they run down there and said, Jesus, don't you care for us? Have you forgot about us? Well, you know what they did? At least they went to Jesus. It might not have been perfect. It might not have been the greatest approach. They might not have had all the prayer down and said all the perfect things. But they went down there and got Jesus' attention. The effectual fervent the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If you're in time of need, the best thing that you can do is figure out any way that you can to get to Jesus because the boat that has Jesus in it always makes it to the shore. We've heard the story about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ, was a great speaker and a great leader of these men. And he had these apostles that followed him and these disciples that loved him and cared about him. And they loved John the Baptist. I'm sure he was an easy guy to love, charismatic guy, great speaker, tough guy, man's man, kind of guy we all look up to. Well, Matthew chapter 14, verse 12 says, And his disciples came and they took up the body and buried it. They cut John the Baptist's head off, made a mockery out of him, killed him, slayed him. Those disciples came, and it says, they took up the body and buried it, and this phrase right here says it all, and went and told Jesus. I can promise you something in 2015. You will face trials. You will face storms. You will see difficult moments in your life. And the very best thing that you can do is to go and tell Jesus. That's the only thing you can do. Because the boat that has Jesus in it always makes it to the shore. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for your blessings. And Lord, this morning I, I ask you for the Holy Spirit to have free reign. If there's someone in here, Lord, who though they don't know for sure, they haven't got it completely nailed down about their eternal destination. Lord, I pray that they'd make sure before they leave here that they have Jesus in the boat. Lord, I pray that you would be with the remainder of this service. We thank you and we love you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Everyone stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. We're going to sing a verse of invitation. If you need to pray, we've got folks down here to be glad to pray with you. Uh, We've kind of done a new thing that we're trying to make it available. If you, if you want to pray in private, you pray on this side and we won't bother you. Uh, nobody will mess with you. Just be you and God. And remember, if you're out in the audience and you see somebody on this side, they want to be here on purpose. They, they're here for privacy and it's just them and God. And if on this side, we've got people that be glad to take a Bible and show you how to be saved. Maybe you need encouragement. Maybe you want to join up. Maybe you want to be saved. Whatever that might be. We have this side available for that. Let's sing a verse. This is the invitation. If you need to come for any reason, you come on. Jesus, you come on. If you're in a storm and things are just not going the way you want it to go, maybe you need to come and talk to God about it. Let us encourage you and help you. God is dealing with you. I just, I just let go. Let him have it.
Say, God, take it. Take it. Use me. Whatever you need me to do. Make it happen. I surrender all. Sing, church. Everybody sing. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessing. 